Well, praise be to God. Never a dull moment in the kingdom. Amen. You guys, you did a great job worshiping Jesus today. I think the Father was pleased. It is such a precious time, isn't it, to gather together. And I got to tell you, I feel like our lead worshipers didn't do too shabby today either. Thank you guys for leading us together. I think the Father's heart, I know the Father's heart was blessed. Amen. Well, we have a treat today. I'm super excited. And John, if you want to start making your way up here, that'd be awesome. But we have in the house our founding pastor, John, and then Lena Gay, where is she? She's in the back. John and Lena Gay Bowers are with us today. Can we just give them a, yeah, come on. Woo! Hallelujah. If, uh, if, if you guys hadn't said yes, there would be no this. So praise God, this was uh, 1975 when we first bought this building. I was two years not born, but, uh, you know, the Lord knew I'd be around at some point. But we are just so encouraged. And John has a great word. I'm, I'm very excited. I think it's so fitting to, uh, to have John and Lena Gay here today. And, you know, you guys, we've shared that this year the Lord was calling us back, number one, to our first love. And secondly, to be empowering people, the priesthood of all believers Return to your first love and empowering people, the, the priesthood of all believers. And that's something that John and Lena Gay have carried so faithfully that there is nothing that's impossible for someone who has their trust in God and is led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So John's going to bring us a word in season, and I just want to say, prepare your heart to receive it. This is part of the DNA of who we are as a tribe. I mean, who we are as sons and daughters of God, but this is something that John has carried, and I want you to let it go deep because this is a perfect time to receive this word. So, John, I want to just pray over you. Thank Father, you. I thank you so much for my spiritual dad, John. I thank you, Father, for his faithfulness in your house and in your kingdom. I pray that this word would be a joy for John to deliver and a joy for us to receive and I pray, God, that it would be more than just information. I know that's not what he's prepared, but I'm saying, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, let this not be just information, but let there be an equipping and an impartation so that we can continue in this work that you've called us to under the power of your Holy Spirit. Let it be unto us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, my friend. God's been speaking to us from the beginning of time. It's never been a question, does God speak to you today? He's been speaking to us from the beginning of time. And so today I want to take you on a journey. I'm going to show you what God's promises are physically. And I want to, I want to start by saying that in 74, I was on a school board here in Junction City, and this was Central School Building, where students were, 220-some students were in this building. And as a school board member, I, my job was to be the chairman of the property to remove this building because they said it had been condemned because there were too many students per square foot, per square feet here. It wasn't a matter that the building was bad. It was a matter that we had too many students in the building. But the taxpayers didn't know that, and they didn't tell them the truth. And so the taxpayers were going to vote for a new school, which they did, and it became the Oakley Middle School. But in the meantime, as the chairman of the board, I'm sitting in a meeting one day, presiding over the meeting, and the Lord never, ever speaks to you at the right opportune time that your flesh would like. I'm, I'm addressing the board in regards to what we've done in putting out the advertisements through Blickhorn Real Estate in Eugene at that time 
to advertise in the 11 western states this property to be sold for $1.5 million. And the Lord said, John. And I stop and I go, because I, I, I know when God speaks, he doesn't want me to interrupt him by keep on speaking. So I stopped and I, I said to myself where the board couldn't hear it, yes, Lord. He said, you're going to be the pastor of a church and you're going to be housed in this place right here. You resign and get ready to put a bid on this property. Now, I mean, I'm not kidding you. Sometimes when God speaks, it's just not opportune time. I mean, how do you carry on with the board meeting now with all of this? So I ended the board meeting and say, okay, let's do this. Just take it home, sleep on it. We'll come back Monday night for our executive session. And uh, possibly I'll have some information for you by that time. Well, the information was I was going to resign. And the information was I was going bid to bid, bid, bid on a building. And we didn't even have a church. Many times when God speaks to you, it's way before you're ready to receive the message that he has for you. I never wanted to be a pastor. I was a school teacher. Born and raised on a farm and loved everything about life. But pastor was not one of them. So I made a quick trip to Eugene Faith Center and I had coffee with Roy Hicks, the pastor at that time. And I said, Roy, here's what the Lord spoke to me. And he says, well, duh. Everybody around knows it, but you evidently. So I resigned as school board uh, member, told them that I was going to be bidding on this building. And because of conflict of interest, I needed to resign. $1.5 million was our asking figure. And the Lord said, what I want you to do now is this. I want you to bid $100,000 financed over 20 years, unsecured note, and no one's to sign it. I said, God, I'm the chairman of the board. I'm the chairman of this committee. It's 1.5 million. The bricks are worth more than this, God. And he says, okay, been down this road before. You do it your way or you can do it my way. And I said, okay, God. We bought the building for $100,000 over 20 years, not signed by anybody, unsecured note. You're sitting in a building that God ordained. I hope you know that. I hope you, I hope you sense that. God ordained this building. So we had 40 people in our Bible study, and the first service was over here in the cafeteria, and the first service we had 23 show up. We had a split on the first Sunday we had church. Because they were afraid, they were thinking, we're going to get stuck with this. Even if it's 100000 we're all going to have to divvy up something. We're out of here. And it scared them. It was so big, it scared them. Listen to me. Turn to Hebrews uh, 3, 7. Hebrews 3, 7. Catch this, because this is so significant for all of us. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, the first step in running the race is hearing and not hardening your heart. See, what I had to do is something that you all have to do and you've all done. I know I'm speaking to the choir here. 
But when God comes and speaks, the very first thing he's checking is a hardened heart. Is it a soft heart? Is the hardened heart. If it's a soft heart, he can do great things with you. You can run the race, and great rewards will be yours. But if you harden your heart, it's going to be fizzling quick. So when he said, I want you to bid on the building, we resign, bid on the building, and I want you to get ready because the building is going to be filled. You'll have not enough room. We went through all of that. It was magic. It was phenomenal what God did. And so on and on and on, as we started walking this journey, I started hearing more and more the voice of the Lord when he would say, now I want you to do this, now I want you to do this, now I want you to do this. So I'm, I'm to the place now at uh, 77 in age of just doing what he says and not even worrying about it. Hardened heart is not the last thing I want to think about. He tells me to do something, we just do it. If you've read the book that, uh, that I wrote recently about the 806, hearing it on the 806, that's just a, a gathering together of all the different wonderful miracles of God. But one of the greatest things that God laid upon my heart was the miracles of impossibility. See, this, was, this building was an impossibility. This, this build, there's no way seven board members would have voted on $100,000 when they knew it was $1.5 million, or $5 million, $1.5 million. They knew that. They weren't going to vote on $100,000. On, on a, on a they weren't going to do that. I knew that, but God knew it. And so when they voted, it was terrible. There was screaming, there was yelling, there were cursing. It was on Monday Night Football. It really made them mad. <laughs> and some of these guys that you know, very well know, they've been around long. When I came in, they'd let me have it. They really let me have it. <clears throat> and I said, okay. Because God spoke to me right there in the middle of the hornet's nest. He says, okay, John. Now listen, John. You tell them with the 100,000 now because they disobeyed me. <clears throat> They've mocked me. They're not mocking you, John. They're mocking me because you've just done what I've told you to do. Now tell them because they mocked me, they're to turn over all of the goods in the cafeteria. They're to turn over all the chairs, all the sound systems. All, everything's left here. There's not going to be an auction where they will bring $50,000 in. That's over. <laughs> And again, I thought, oh, God. <laughs> God, they're so mad already. He says, tell them, just tell them. So I said, okay, guys, i got to be honest with you. You're not yelling at me. You're yelling at God. You're re he, he's, gonna re he, he's not taking this well. <clears throat> <clears throat> so let me just tell you this. <clears throat> because, you've, because you've given not only me a bad time, you're giving God a bad time. Everything now stays. You have to add to that offer. Everything stays. You don't take nothing. You walk. That $50,000 auction you're going to have, it's over. Not going to have it. Boy, I tell you, it got, it got nasty. And they said, get out. And as they were going out, one, one of the board members said, I call for the question. In other words, they're going to have a vote. They didn't even have a motion. So we went out, and there was nine of us out here praying. And it got real quiet. 
door opened up, and the clerk says, John, come in. So I went in. Real, real quiet. And they're looking at me like, who are you? And what they were really saying is, tell me about your God. They said, we just had a vote. It was unanimous. Well, I know one lady never votes positive, so it can't be unanimous. She either abstained or she didn't vote. And she certainly wasn't going to vote for us. They said it was unanimous. Would the clerk read the motion? Motion was read that we sell the building to Christ Center for $100,000 at uh, 20 years, unsecured note, and all now of all the belongings go with it. Unanimously pass. John, you just have bought this building. Okay, that's just one miracle in the midst of hundreds. I'm going to show you one so you get to see it. Better to see it than preach it. So let's, uh, let's turn this on. What happened was that we started having pastors come to me and they said, um, can we hang out with you? And I said, well, sure, you can hang out. What do you want to do? Well, we, we just love partying with you. And God said, start ministering to pastors all over the world. Now catch this, all over the world and let them relax and have a party. So we started and now you're going to see some of the stuff that goes with it. The World Alliance was made up of leaders all over the world. And we came together once a year as alliance leaders to fellowship and have fun together. 75 of us thereabouts gathered in New York City. We always prayed then before we finished that session as to where we would go next year. And we basically had all committed to go to Lucknow, India. It was time to ask the question, are we committed to Lucknow, India next year? And nobody was saying anything. I says, well, then I'm gonna be bold and tell you that I've heard the Lord. It's not Lucknow, it's Havana, Cuba. And there was great laughter that just broke out. It was pandemonium. <laughs> but when they all calmed down, I said, people, listen to me. I'm serious. I believe we'll be in Havana next year at this time doing our pastor's conference. Alejandro Nito, the, considered the Billy Graham of Cuba, he raised his hand. He says, Pastor John, I believe it would be more possible for the Lord to part the sea from Miami to Havana than for us to ever have a conference in Havana. I said, then are you telling me there's a chance? And in 2004, we were in Havana for the pastor's conference. There's 39 denominational leaders in Cuba that are accepted by the Cuban government. All 39 were there with many of their leaders. They watched history happen that they never dreamed would happen. Alejandro Nito came to me, puts his arms around me, and he says, then I'm ready to go home because I have watched the glory of God come. And I said, okay, where do you want to go next? He goes, I don't know, what do you want? And I said, Alejandro, I've heard the Lord. We're to have a gospel concert in the Karl Marx Theater. We're to come in on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and we're to fill up the 6,500-seat auditorium that has never had anything gospel in it. It's where Fidel Castro had all of his state messages. And so when I proposed that to him, he again goes, 
that's bigger than what we just finished. I said, well, God never goes back and goes less. God always goes bigger, so let's go bigger. Alejandro died five years later, and I was called to his bed prior to his death. When he saw me, he got up, and he laid his head on my chest, and I said, what do you want? And he said, make a covenant. I'm going to go home to be with the Lord, but you're going to be here, and you're not to give up on the Karl Marx Theater. So I made a covenant with him. I took that frail little hand. He gripped it as best he could. And with tears, we committed to go forth and have the Karl Marx Theater. He said, why do you waste your time? Why do you waste your money? Why do you come here knowing that you're never going to get that? We're not going to let you have a Christian concert in the Karl Marx Theater. Never. So five years later, my interpreter is in Havana. And it just so happened that a young couple who have their own recording studio, they had just completed putting a new sound system in all of the Karl Marx Theater. So they knew the government officials. And they said, you know, there's an event coming up, and it's a jazz musical event. And we were talking to the producer of this event that goes for six months throughout all of Cuba. Maybe they would like to have your international ministry of talent all over the world come and perform a gospel concert that you wanted. And they said, we think the government will okay it. I said, for the Karl Marx Theater? They said, yes. And we met three governmental leaders. All three of them had to say yes, because the fourth one had the final say. His name was Victor. Everything that had to do with any concert, especially the Karl Marx Theater, was under his authority. So we met with the first three, and it didn't go well. You, you could tell. It. They laughed at us. Are you, are you serious? First of all, we have a bar, they said, that is so high that you won't even begin to touch the, our bar. And you have to be able to be so professional that if you can't reach our bar, we're not even interested. We've never done a gospel concert. That's okay. I, and I, I just felt that Lord just let me have a little righteous anger to throw at him. I said, I want to tell you something about your bar. Your bar is way lower than our bar. And when we finish, you're going to see that our bar is so much higher than yours. It'll blow your minds. We had to have all three of them accept. Not even thinking about Victor. He doesn't have to make a decision. One of them can say no, and we're out. It's finished. And we get a call, and it was Victor. And he said, all three of my underlings all voted today unanimously to have you in the Karl Marx Theater. Now it's up to me. So I'm going to tell you something, Mr. Bowers. I've looked for stuff. You haven't done anything. You're a nobody. I says, now wait a minute. You've done your homework, I'm sure. Have you gone back to 2004 and did you see what the government Fidel Castro sanctioned? I said, well, a nobody did that. But it was somebody that put it together through a nobody. And I can tell you right now that somebody is putting together a concert through a nobody. Well, he said, this, this is something else. He said, every continent in the world has petitioned me for 26 years. I guess we're gonna set fit history here today, Mr. Bowers. He stuck his hand out and I shook his hand, he said, this is my contract. 
You will be in the Karl Marx Theater, September 16th, 17th, and 18th. I'm sitting there thinking, just like God. When a miracle happens, it's instant. Hey, how you guys doing? We are so excited to be here in Havana, Cuba. So excited to be here in the Karl Marx Theater. It's the first time that the gospel music has been included as part of the cultural exchange with the U.S. and Cuba. So exciting to be here. The energy in the crowd is just electric. I've loved every moment of it. Viva la Cuba! Hey, there you go. Ah. <laughs> If it wasn't for the Lord's voice, and if it wasn't that I did not harden my heart, but accept the word literally for what it was, that wouldn't have happened. How many of those events don't happen because we harden our hearts? It's not a matter that we hear him. It's a matter that we don't go through the second step, but harden our hearts. Can't be done. Never been done. He won't use me. I'm a nobody. 25, 26 years, Victor said no to every continent in the United States. All the stars, he said, all the stars that are recorded and you buy their stuff, all of them want to come. Turned every one of them down. All those TV evangelists, turned them all down. 
And you think I'm going to let you in this? Yes. Why do you think I'm going to let you come? Because I'm a nobody. I, I, you're right, I'm a nobody. But see, I heard God tell me that years ago when I started pastoring this church. You be a nobody and you exalt me as somebody and I will build my church. I want, you to, I want you to catch this now. It's significant. Where you sit right now, you're a nobody. If you're trying to be a somebody, chances are you'll harden your heart when God speaks to you. Because it's probably not going to be grander enough. Or maybe it's too big. Or maybe it's too small. When you're a nobody, then you'll accept everything. Because it's better than where you are because nobody's nobody. And so I heard the Lord say clearly, if you become a nobody and you exalt me as somebody, I'll build my church. He's taken me all over the world. All because he said, will you go to Guatemala? Yes. I did not harden my heart. I went to Guatemala. Now the third step in baking this cake, though, is very significant. And catch it. It's what, if you get past the hardening of your heart, the biggest one is waiting. The third thing is waiting. And that is in Romans 8, 25. Waiting is a component that God wants to check you out and take time to see if you're the right person for his message. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Waiting is the worst thing in the world. 20 years I waited for Havana. But it was worth it. When I walked back that stage, in the back of that stage, and here comes Victor. I didn't know Victor was coming. I didn't know he was coming backstage before we put on the first concert. Boom, the door opens and here's Victor. He's the fifth ranking political leader in Cuba. Boom, opens the door, and here comes Victor. The rest of the gang didn't know who he was. I knew who he was. He kicked my butt for five years. He chewed me out. He accused me of everything you could think of, how stupid I am. You're wasting your money coming here. You're never going to get the Karl Marx Theater. I'm the only one that can give you the Karl Marx Theater. So quit coming. You know why I went back? You know I kept, why I kept going back? Heard God. I wasn't going to let Victor's voice drown out God's voice. He'd chew me out and I'd go home. Now catch this, folks. Every time I went, it was about $1,500, and I paid for my interpreters. So every time I went, it was $3,000. And you take 3,000 times 20, you add that up, you better know you're hearing God's voice. Because he kept reminding me, why are you spending your money coming here? Never going to happen. God said, wait. Then I'd be sitting home, and God said, time to go back. Oh, God. Don't, but, man, 
Think how terrible it would have been in the 13th year if I hardened my heart. Okay, God, let's go buy the ticket. And I want to I want to tell you something. If it wasn't for Lenny Gay, none of this would have happened. My precious wife. This you wouldn't be sitting in this building if it wasn't for her. You you wouldn't be reading the book if it wasn't for her. You wouldn't be seeing this if it wasn't for her. I mean, I'm amazed she stood with me for 57 years. It was amazing. It was, I mean, she had to hear God, and she didn't have it hard in her heart, and she's been waiting for all these years. <laughs> Danny, can't you agree with that? Sharon, I think you could. The bottom line is this. If you will hear the voice of God, if you'll not harden your heart, and if you wait... It always produces what God originally intended. You guys, as we're getting ready to uh, as we're getting ready to head out here, um, one of the things I want to do is I want to have John pray over us. And uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of walking alongside of John now for come on up here, John, for about 14 years, I think it is. And um, it, it's, it's wonderful, it's awesome, it's scary, it's maddening, it's totally worth it. And one of the things that I've watched over and over again is when God would speak to John, because here's the thing, you know, he just said, be a nobody. Well, he's stuck with it, he's kept his head down and he's been a nobody. But the other thing is if you hear God, just obey whatever it is he gave you and he never gives us the whole picture. Or if you get the whole picture, he doesn't tell you how you're gonna get there. And again and again and again, we'd come to meetings, and I'd be asking John, John, what do we do about this? I don't know. Well, what about this? I don't know. How about this over here? I don't know. How are we going to pay for that? I don't know. Are you listening to this conversation, John? Yeah, but God said. And this is the part where he didn't waver, and I want you to catch this part of it. This is really huge, and then we're going to have a time of impartation. John's going to pray over us. We tend to want to have all of the details, but God has given us the gift of allowing us to trust him, that when he says it, it's going to happen. And even though he doesn't give you all the details up front, that's part of the joy of the relationship. And I've walked this out just for the last 14 years alongside of John. And, and I know I've been hard on him too, because I'd ask him questions. Well, what about, we need to know about this. And here's a little hint I want to give you that has been very helpful, that has really helped me going with John, is that John has a hopeful expectation of good. And so he'd be like, well, I heard the Lord. And so then he would say, well, maybe. And he'd just turn his imagination towards all the impossible things that God might do. And he, we would just dream together. And he'd dream, and he'd lay out like a hundred different scenarios, none of which were how it went. <laughs> none of which. Not one of them. But I'll tell you what did happen. What God said would happen did. And the way that God brought us through it was even crazier and better than what we could ask or think or imagine. And God did what he said he would do. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. And what would happen is, well, we'd sit here and dream and he'd say, well, maybe somebody, maybe this person's going to come and they're going to do this and, they're, and it's going to work like this. We'd be like, wow, that would be so cool. Or, we, well, maybe this will happen. And every time we'd get knocked back, we'd just have a little dream fest and imagine what God might do. Now, some of them did actually happen that way, which was cool. But it was like 1%. The point is I'm not making fun of John. The point is I'm telling you I'm giving you a key if you will receive it. 
if you dream about what's possible with God, even the imagination of an expectation of good will give you the strength and carry you through while God's word comes to pass. Can you receive that? Amen. Now, here's what I want you to do. Amen. There are things, it says in the scripture, Paul is speaking to Timothy and others, and he says, he says to these others, he says, I want, I've taught you all these things, but I want to come visit you. I want to be with you so that I can impart a gift. Did you catch that? They already had his letters. They already had his teaching. But what they didn't have was the impartation of the gift that he would bring by being present with them. Can you receive that? Mm-hmm. Our founding pastor is here, and he has a gift of believing God for the impossible and remaining a nobody so he can continue to do it. So it's not about John. It's about the word of God. But he's able to receive it, mm. not harden his heart, wait for mm. God to do it while imagining all the fun scenarios of how he may do it rather than being dissuaded by the hundred different obstacles every time there's a hundred new possibilities. Amen. That's a gift. If you want to receive that gift, I want you to stand up and John's going to pray over us. Mm-hmm. Just because um, of our time frame, I wasn't able to expound on a lot of things. But catch this, Victor, the guy that gave me such a bad time, is now one of my dear friends in Cuba. And he said, anytime you want to come back, the Karl Marx is yours. They're waiting for us to come back to do the second concert. He said, but what I want to do now is that I want to have you uh, get ready to go to the amphitheater that holds 65,000. And the government's going to sponsor it. The government's going to, to advertise it. There'll be 65,000 out in this massive field. That's where Fidel Castro had his big meetings. And so here we have now an open door with the key. I literally hold the key to go in and out as often as I want. And now he's my dear friend. Lord, I pray a blessing. I pray a blessing over these standing that they'll have the anointing fall upon them. As you speak to them, God, as you speak, they won't harden their hearts and they will wait. And the produce will come rolling in. The joy of the promise will come, and we will praise you in Jesus' name. Can you just sing this song with me? Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and as Thou bids me come to Thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. That's a song that has all the promise, the blood, the Lamb. He's given it all to you. The banquet table's before you. You can go look at it and then just do what He tells you to do and you'll be participating in it. Let's just give John a hand. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise God. I know that uh, you're going to get an opportunity to visit with one another. I have one assignment that I would like to ask for you to do today. Um, I want you guys to do a prophetic act, if you would. It's this easy. When you leave today, I know you're going to visit and what have you, but before you leave, would you go out the exit door? Would you walk all the way, there's a sidewalk that goes all the way around this property. 
Would you walk all the way around this property? As you do it, will you pray the Lord's Prayer at least once? And then will you pray for God's peace and presence and protection over our cities? His peace, his presence, and his protection over our cities. Would you be willing to do that today? I want you to, as we're walking around the property, I just want that blessing here, but as you're walking around this property, this property is representing all of our cities. You're walking around our cities. Would you do that? Peace, presence, and protection. If you're willing to do that, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, just walk around the property before you leave today. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, lifting up his countenance upon you, and give you shalom. Love you guys.